Unpacking Injustice with the Montana Innocence Project. This podcast tells the real stories behind wrongful and unjust convictions and illuminates the complex issues responsible for making our criminal justice system unjust. Today, we are bringing you a conversation with MTIP client Bernard Peace Jr., who was discharged from the Alpha House Pre-Release Center in Billings, Montana on January 2nd after spending nearly 40 years wrongfully incarcerated. Let's begin unpacking. Bernard was wrongfully convicted of deliberate homicide in 1984, based largely on expert testimony from Arnold Melnikoff, the former Montana Crime Lab director who played a role in at least four other wrongful convictions. MTIP began working on Bernard's case in 2019 and has continued to advocate for his exoneration. In November of 2022, Bernard was granted parole following his completion of an extended stay in a pre-release program. Bernard was then transferred to Alpha House Pre-Release Center in Billings, Montana in January of 2023. Following favorable DNA testing results, an evidentiary hearing was ordered in July of 2023, where Bernard appeared before Yellowstone County District Judge Thomas Party. MTIP's legal team called five expert witnesses who contextualized the results of DNA testing and demonstrated how the sciences used to convict him were less reliable than the new results. Additionally, expert testimony exposed that the state's expert testimony stating a hair found at P's home was very similar to the victim's pubic hair was false. DNA testing found this hair belonged to a cat nearly 40 years after P Jr. was convicted. Both parties have submitted briefings following this hearing and await the court's decision. Last week, I had the opportunity to speak with Bernard and his sister Linda over the phone about his reentry journey. Bernard will now be living in Billings with Linda, who has loved and supported him throughout his wrongful incarceration. He's excited to spend time with relatives and strengthen his relationships while he makes up for the time he has lost. He candidly discussed new challenges he is facing after incarceration, the excitement of being home with family, and his hopes for the future. Take a listen. So can you describe for me what it felt like when you were discharged from pre-release in January? What it felt like was walking out the back door of the prison, getting into a van without handcuffs, shackles. It was a shock, a total shock to the system. And being in the van with two other guys, you know, we were just all just lit up with life that we're, we're finally heading home, or I should say Billings pre-release, but just, just like being home and, uh, staying all overnight in the pre-release in Butte, Montana. Um, they told us when we got there, go get, go get dinner. Well, where's dinner at? They said, it's outside across the street and we're all standing there waiting for an escort. And he said, well, just go. So that was definitely an experience without having somebody hanging on to you or, 
you know, pointing away and everybody's staring at you because they wear security or a, or a badge. Um, they get scared, you know, the emotions, um, paranoid. Um, unsure of everything around you. You know, can I do this? Can I open up this door? Can I go out that door? When I got out, you know, I went fishing. I went to restaurants. We went to stores. And seeing all the the bright colors in there, the smells that were in there, soaps, the meats and vegetables. And, uh, it was amazing. Can you tell me more about um, how it's felt to be home after all these years? What's been different for you or the same? Going to um, events with Linda and the rest of her family and just going, you know, like going to court when we went to court in July to hear my case was something that I felt so relieved that the judge was actually listening and questioning the state. So he wanted to know more about the DNA testing and he wanted to know even more. And he would kind of, you know, he would pay so much attention to the experts that we had. And there was a time or two that he said, really, they said that? And I, yes. So just, being around people that I haven't seen in 40 years has been such heart touching to me and friends. Yeah, I bet. Um, what would have been, I guess, some of the challenging things for you since you've been released? Oh, boy. Some of the challenges that I'm facing right now is I'm getting ready for neck surgery. Um, it's going to be a major neck surgery that I was told in prison that it was just a simple little um, spur in my neck. So um, the recovery is going to be a challenge up to eight weeks plus recovery and then on my back i'm going to have to have major surgery on my back that they told me oh there's nothing really wrong with your back but a sciatic nerve um and then now i have to have surgery on my hand Oh, no. That's going to lay me up another six to eight weeks. Wow. The 
the medical expenses is is one of my big challenges my budgeting with social security is all i'm getting it all goes to my health insurance and then 500 goes to rent and that leaves me about at least a hundred in debt every month wow is there anything else that has been challenging for you you know just like reintegrating back into society and stuff have you noticed anything different well going shopping is uh quite the chore the prices uh it's unbelievable yes i bet if you go to an ice cream shop or something it's seven or eight bucks for an ice cream cone um i do visit uh a dollar dollar tree the dollar tree Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I like that store. So I've run into quite a few people that I've known there over the years. Yeah. I go to pawn shops to try to find stuff for my hobby. I usually buy stuff to either take it apart or add more to it to have uh, my little sister sell. That kind of helps pay for part of my rent. Yeah, so, can you tell me more about, I know you enjoyed doing your art while incarcerated. Um, can you talk a little bit more about how you've continued to do that at home? Yes, I, uh, I do a lot of beadwork. I do leather work. I do paper mache that looks like driftwood or a tree. Um, I do hummingbirds for the center part of the dream catcher. I have more materials now than I can use instead of being in prison. Mm -hmm. I still use fingernail clippers and toenail clippers for hooking up my ear wires or cutting string and fixing things. You can't believe what you can do with the fingernail file. Yeah, that's amazing. A clicker. But uh, it's, it's a tool well used inside prison. And I'm still continuing using it instead of a pair of pliers or tweezers. Um, I took over my little sister's basement. <laughs> rearranged it and uh it you looks, could use more space yeah i could use a bigger house <laughs> is there anything like have you watched any good movies eaten any good food or done any fun activities since you've been home well i like to cook um i cooked some salmon a couple weeks ago and uh I hopefully plan that we travel. Yeah, where do you want to travel to? Well, I'm wanting to go to New Orleans for that conference. Oh yeah, the Innocence Network conference, uh-huh. And uh, I want to go 
to a couple more concerts here pretty quick. Mm -hmm. uh, Linda and I. Yeah, that's who awesome. Who the heck are we going to see? I can't remember. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> we have one coming up. Um, I mean, there's a lot going on for March. Surgeries, the conference, um, concerts, um, fishing. That's what I like to do just as much as I like doing my hobby is fishing. Yeah, that's awesome. What has been the most exciting thing you've done this month? This month? Yes. Driving. Driving? I've been driving a lot, getting used to this city again, um, where I live at here in Billings. Where I used to live it has changed so much, I'm still lost. <laughs> I am. It it has gotten so big and growing so much. I get lost real easy. Yeah, I bet. So another question I had for you was, what would you like your life to look like now that you're home? And are there any specific things you'd like to do for work or dreams that you have? If exonerated, yes. I want to go into the guiding on the Bighorn River here in Montana. To guiding, uh-huh. Yes. I love to fish. And I love to see expressions on people's face when they catch a fish. We had two boys <laughs> that was fishing next to me. They weren't catching anything. And I was pulling them in left and right. And Linda caught a few. So I showed them how to hook up their rig. And on the first cast, the guy caught one. The kid. The kid. And then his friend was catching them. And then another time, a, a young boy and his father and mom were fishing. They weren't catching anything. I came, I went over to where they were at and asked them if they would come to my spot because I'm catching them. We have a spot that catches them. So they came over and uh, they weren't catching any. They were getting bites. And I asked this little kid, let me look at your hook. Holy smokes. Pretty big size hook. So I asked dad if I could change hooks on him. He just kind of shrugged his head. So I changed the kid's hook. First cast, he throw it out there. He caught one that day bigger than I did. Wow, that's amazing. It was his first fish. Wow. <laughs> so you'd like to work with kids in the future as like a guide, a fishing guide? Yes. I, you know, I wanted my dad and I to do that years ago. And then when I was incarcerated, my dad said he wished that we did go into it. The house that I was at, my parents' house is only like six blocks from here. Um, I went and visited it. Finally. Finally, after a year. And it was, it was really hard for me to go back there from where I was arrested. 
and I can still hear my sister's voice from 40 years ago when they were cuffing me and taking me away in the car. But being here, it feels like home. And I think it is home. So I still have to go visit my mom and dad's grave site. And every time I think about it, I just get emotional, um, procrastinate not to go there. One step at a time. Just one step at a time. Hello, my name is Linda Thomas. I am Bernard's little sister. Your brother was incarcerated uh, for f over 40 years. What has that been like for him to be back home with you? <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, I kind of feel like, I mean, I know we've missed a lot of years, but it's weird, you know, some relationships you just pick up right where you left off, friendships and stuff. I kind of feel like it's been that way with him and myself. I mean, it's, I mean, he still picks on me. He still nags on me. He still, I mean, some things just don't change. <laughs> yeah. He, he lectures me. I mean, he is the big brother. <laughs> and I, he almost just threw something at me. <laughs> See? <laughs> no, it has been amazing. I absolutely love having him around. Can you tell me a little bit more about how you've helped Bernie through this reentry process and maybe what kind of challenges you've seen him face and how you've helped him, him to overcome them? The biggest thing is medical. Going to the doctor, it is so hard to remember here at St. Vincent's, the east side, the west side, uh, ortho on one side, ortho on the other side. Yeah. Uh, it is very, very confusing. Um, it's confusing for me, and I've done it for a long time. He's got like, you know, six to eight doctors. Um, I think the biggest hurdle is those bone spurs that he has in his neck. Um, it's real frustrating to know that the prison knew he had all those and did nothing and to watch him now and, you know, to see doctors' faces go, wow, how can you do anything, you know? I mean, they're amazed at anything and everything he can do. Um, but they're going to have to go in and take him out and fuse it to his neck. And, uh, I mean, it's going to be a long haul. So what has been your favorite memory so far since Bernie has been home? Uh, Christmas. Watching him open the presents I gave him because um, they were from the heart. From, uh, based on my dad, um, and he barely made it through it. <laughs> I watched him out of the corner of my eye. 
Uh, I barely made it through it, but it was stuff I had saved in hopes that he would get out someday. Um, so that was so cool. And, you know, our Christmases have not changed whatsoever. I mean, they're exactly the same as they were when we were growing up. I mean, it's tons of presents. Everybody buys everybody a lot. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous, but um, it's fun. It's, it's, it's celebrating the way my mom and dad wanted and always did for us. Thank you for listening to our conversations with Bernard and Linda. MTAP will support Bernard in his reentry journey as we continue fighting for his innocence. We look forward to bringing you more updates about his reentry process and hope to paint a realistic picture of the exciting moments as well as the obstacles that accompany returning to society after unjust incarceration. Unpacking Injustice is a Montana Innocence Project podcast. The artwork was created by Rob Truax, and the music was composed by Corey Fay. To learn more about the Montana Innocence Project, visit our website, mtinnocenceproject.org, or follow us on social media at Big Sky Innocence. Thank you for unpacking injustice with the Montana Innocence Project.